This is the Pro Channel Manager Podcast, episode number 14. Give your meat a good old rub. You're listening to the Pro Channel Manager Podcast, the only podcast in the world that shows you how to run a YouTube channel just like the pros. And here's your host. He's grown multiple YouTube channels by millions of subscribers and billions of views. And even though he speaks funny, we promise you he is speaking English, Tom Martin. Now, when I started this podcast, I had the idea of appealing to two different audiences, professional YouTube creators. So people that were kind of full-time or almost, almost at the stage of being full-time YouTubers. And the second were people with work histories a little bit more like me, pro channel managers, people that are working in the YouTube world for other people, running other people's channels in other companies, for independent YouTubers, whatever it may be. I worked for almost six years every single day running channels for some absolutely awesome companies, worked on some absolutely huge channels and had some great, great times. It wasn't all smooth sailing, a lot of challenges, of course, along the way. But without doubt, it is a time that I look at very fondly and especially my time working for BBC Studios, who are actually known as BBC Worldwide back when I was working there from 2012. I started my time there as a junior YouTube channel manager, pretty much on my own. Of course, I had some help from some outside teams as well as my cool boss, Alex, Alex Ailing, who no doubt will be speaking about quite a bit in this special episode. Uh, he actually started a month or so after me. So I was on my own pretty much for the first couple of months. And it was a bit of an odd dynamic between us, but together we got the ship going in the right direction because my other lovely friend, Kate, who was doing the role before me, actually left about six months before I started to go and work for YouTube. And so the YouTube team was pretty much non-existent for six months and had kind of just about been ticking over. As the channels grew, we started to put in place processes and systems. So it all started to work a bit more like clockwork. And this is actually something that has become a bit of a secret weapon of mine and a service that I provide to a, a number of companies that I've worked with since leaving the corporate world. But at some stage, it got to the point where we needed help. We needed more hands on the ground. And so it was time to hire some more channel managers, just like me. And this is the story we're going to be talking about today. We'll be talking about what it's like to work as a channel manager, but this won't be our main focus. If you want to hear more about what the day-to-day life of a channel manager is, you can find more about that in episode three of this podcast in your podcast feed. But what we're going to be really focusing on today is how working as a channel manager can be used as a great stepping stone to move on to bigger and better things in your career. And boy, do I have two shining examples of just that on today's show in the form of my very, very special guests. But before we jump into that, here's a word from our awesome sponsors, vidIQ. vidIQ is the secret weapon for every professional YouTube channel manager. Why? because it has all of the amazing workflow and efficiency tools that you need to save you time and effort, but there's more. It also has the most advanced YouTube SEO tools in the world, including an absolutely incredible keyword research tool that I use on every single video that I publish. I've been using vidIQ since way back in 2013, 
And without it, I simply would not have been able to generate the billions of YouTube views that I have. That's just a fact. So if you want to get Ninja and start using the tools that the pros use, check out prochannelmanager.com forward slash vidIQ to get a free 30-day trial of one of their awesome paid plans. And you can thank me later. Yes, so today we have two very special guests, both of whom worked for me at the BBC. And we're going to be focusing on how our work and careers as YouTube channel managers opened up doors for us that would have may been closed otherwise, and how they took us on career paths that were maybe slightly off of the path we originally set out on. And most importantly, we're going to be talking about how you can do exactly the same. A detailed guide of everything we speak about today, including our top tips for leveraging YouTube to have an awesome career in the media, can be found at prochannelmanager.com forward slash episode 14. That's the word episode, the number 14, no hyphens, no spaces. Let's get into it. So it seems that every time I bring a guest on this show, I always introduce them as my good friends. But this is different because I hate these two people. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> God damn. These two guys are like my little brothers. They are like family. As I said, I've worked with them in the past. And I always look back at that time with such great fondness, our time at BBC Studios. The dream team, please welcome to the show, Ollie Martin, my hey, brother yo. from another mother, who just happens to have the same <laughs> last name. And Luke Spillane, not Spillane. How are you doing, guys? Oh, very good, man. Thanks for having us. A lovely intro. Yeah. Beautiful intro, sir. Can you just each say who you are, just so that people know whose voice is who. Mm, mm. Ollie, do you want to go first? Yes. Well, we know that you are Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ollie Martin. I was. I worked alongside uh, both Tom and Luke in BBC Digital Studios. Yeah. Oh, um, I totally forgot it was called Digital Studios. I, I, yeah, that's how long it's been. We went through three or four different iterations, didn't we? But uh, yeah, we did. This is this we is the did. voice. And Luke, Luke. Please let yeah. everyone know your voice. I'm Luke. I'm Luke. I work with Tom and Tom and Ollie back in the good old days, and I still work at BBC Studios, but not doing YouTube stuff as much. But uh, have such fond memories of being the YouTube dream team, right? That was the three of us. And Luke, Luke was the the baby of the group. Oh man, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> under our wing. Your your intro was so was so nice, but it, it also reminded me that I always still see you as the YouTube mafia boss. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Cockney gangster of the yeah. YouTube world. <laughs> yeah, sensei, sensei. <laughs> I guess. Right, so we're gonna dive in now. So Ollie, you joined the team first. What what year was that, Ollie? That you joined. Um, it's all kind of lost in the mist of time, Tom. I think it was about 2013, I believe. Yeah, I think it was probably about a year after I had joined. Yeah, I believe so, man. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about your YouTube experience before that? And how did you come to join the team at BBC? I guess my experience with YouTube is long and winding. So it, it's first started off as um, just a video platform to get to grips with, to put out some of um, the independent travel documentaries I was making. So me and a bunch of friends were were going on trips and pa- packaging up um, little kind of little uh, travel vlogs and and putting them on YouTube was a way to get people slightly broader than our friends and family seeing what we made. So I learned kind of the basics of the playbook. And at that time, it just so happened that there was... Uh, 
Google giving out pots of money to production companies that normally made TV to uh, to make YouTube formats and to run YouTube channels. So I got lucky and I um, get in with one of these one of these companies as a channel manager running a, uh, a YouTube channel called Fast, Furious and Funny. So that was my first kind of foray into professionally running a channel, cutting my teeth, never, never done it before. And, um, and then I met you, Tom, at a, a collaboration day, I believe, at, um, at the YouTube studio. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, man, that's, that's how we, we, our paths started to cross. So how did you first get that job at Base? It wasn't Base 79, was it? What were they called? Diagonal View. Diagonal View. Yeah, I worked for a company at Diagonal View. So I, it was, um, I suppose you'd, you'd call it a, a, a YouTube agency that specialized in creating original content for their own branded YouTube channels, as well as giving consultancy to the likes of TV production companies. So I, actually, my sister saw um, an ad online and I, I decided to take a lateral move and I, I dropped off a crate of beer along with my CV to, um, to Matt Hyman, who, who was the CEO of that company. And um, I landed, yeah, landed my first job as a, as a YouTube channel manager. So I was yeah, running a car channel and the aim was to start from, from scratch, to build an audience and, and to then evolve the video content being made to, um, yeah, to grow the channel as, as, as quickly and successfully as possible. So at that point, you had some experience of at least uploading some videos of your own to YouTube. YouTube wasn't like it was to me, like a total... <laughs> total bluff at interview stage no i think I'd, I'd been playing around a lot so me and my friends as i say had been had been making quite a few videos and um uploading so i was learning the the, the basics of um of tagging and and kind of seeding out content back in the day to the likes of kind of subreddits and so on so yeah i got, I got that first job based on the the relative albeit quite small success of the of the travel youtube channel and just i think i just showed a bit of tenacity i'd, I'd read up on on youtubers and then kind of spent quite a lot of time on youtube and, and so that's how i got that first gig yeah and then you know we had met at, at that day and i think we'd done a little bit of collaboration i think we tried to make some videos with fff and top gear but you know that's not easy working with you know big brands and stuff yeah yeah and finally it was rory from a presenter from FFF that actually later went on years later to be a presenter of Top Gear. Is that right? Yeah, we had we had a good cast. It was a, it was a great channel to be honest. It was produced by a production company called Bullseye, which is um, part of Endemol. So they normally made kind of specialist factual half hour TV um, episodes, but they did a really good job of selecting hosts for the different formats on the channel. So they had Colin Furs, Madman Colin Furs. Like I think he passed. 10 million subscribers um, a couple of months ago. So we had him as one of the presenters. Yeah, we had Rory Reid. Yeah, no, complete legend. We had Rory Reid that then went on to, of course, um, be on Top Gear. So it was really, yeah, really, really cool channel to, to cut my teeth on um, with like decent production value. The production guys really listened to um, to feedback from me and my team. So it was a real collaboration of sorts. So yeah, I had a, I had a great year at, at, uh, at Diagonal View. Yeah, and then I think I got in your ear. We we kept in touch after that collaboration day, and I think I got in your ear and was like, "Oi, Martin!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I think come I think over you, here. I'm going to shoot your dog. Drop the seed. I think you're like you can be a friend of ours. You're like come over this way. Yeah. He, and, uh, yeah, he woke I, up with a horse's head in his bed. The interview process. I wasn't actually involved in that, was I? I think it, you you spoke to our boss, Alex. Yeah, that's right. Alex Halen. Shout out to him now yeah. uh, over at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And cool interestingly, dude. yeah, man, Alex Ailing, of course, absolute legend, great mentor, but also a guy called Simon Danker. I, I don't, we're probably going a bit yeah, off, off on a yeah. tangent, but he um he struck an incredibly 
successful deal between BBC Worldwide and YouTube in the very early days of YouTube setting up in Europe. So he was like, he was a legend. And then he kind of, he, yeah. he, he left quite soon after I joined. But yeah, two good people to have an interview with. Yeah. And uh, how did that interview go? You didn't get any inside help by any chance on that on that interview, Ollie? Could not possibly say, my man. Could not possibly <laughs> say. I think um, I, was given, I was given a couple of tasks and I think it was a nice marrying of the worlds maybe there was a bit of insider editorial and kind of strategy help and then i yeah, guess i think I opened my eyes to what was online <laughs> yeah i think there was some miracle that the knowledge of bbc food programs all of a sudden came to ollie's mind but <laughs> yeah, we shall not speak helpful, about man. that I, yeah. let's get on to luke what, what time did you join our merry band which at this point was growing you know oh, quite man. quite large yeah, because I mean, I, I sort of jumped on, I think, when Digital Studios was sort of that real sort of like, it was real like startup energy, wasn't it? Like it was kind yeah. of growing and growing. And that was beginning of 2015. I joined January 2015. I joined as a sort of a, as a junior YouTube exec. That was that was when I came on. But I'd had a little bit of involvement beforehand with the team and kind of knew Tom and Alex via kind of various bits and bobs beforehand. Um, so and I think, I think definitely 2015 was the big year where the sort of the team like swelled, right. You know, everyone kind of every team, you know, there were new people in communities teams and new people in YouTube teams. It was kind of it was such an exciting year. Yeah. So I was running the Doctor Who channel with my encyclopedic knowledge of Doctor Who, <laughs> uh, much, much stronger than Luke's weak knowledge. <laughs> so yeah, I was running the, the Doctor Who YouTube channel and, um, we actually contacted Luke as a, kind of uh, a micro influencer yeah. is that fair to say at that time definitely fair my feeble 1000 subscribers was a micro influencer <laughs> big man in the game that's what I call it yeah. big man in the game yeah so Luke was a, a, an influencer in a Doctor Who space very brand safe and uh, extremely knowledgeable especially about classic Doctor Who so we got him to do an unboxing that experience went very very well and then we got him in to do an interview for channel manager and this was actually me hiring yeah so this was a bit different so i've got first-hand experience of putting luke under the lights and i don't know if luke knows this or not but he was extremely extremely close to not getting that job <laughs> really i did yeah. not know i did not know it's all, it's all coming out in this podcast i love it you didn't get to choose me tom you didn't get to choose me and you, you didn't want luke <laughs> No, no, I did want Luke, and ultimately, I, I chose Luke over my very good friend Lisa, actually, who uh, who now works for Industrial Light and Magic. So eat that, Luke. <laughs> oh wow, that is a good job. That is a good job. But yeah, she was great as well. But I just think that Luke's knowledge of Doctor Who and his knowledge of the kind of the world of creators, we were looking to do a lot more collaborations and stuff like that. Mm. Luke was a perfect fit. The only thing that scared me about Luke that he was very artistic, shall we say, like he dressed a little bit differently <laughs> and he he comes across as a I think it's fair to say like an old man in a young oh, yeah, definitely. Body. That's definitely yeah, it, you yeah. wouldn't find that offensive. Not you, at Luke? all, mate. I'm sat here in a cardigan. And I was kind of worried that you'd really enjoy like the cool aspect and you know, maybe not apply yourself so much when it came to like the admin mm. of, of YouTube, which was definitely the, the case that, that came to pass. I think over the, the next, I remember just berating you like, where are these custom IDs that we need? Where are these custom? And then the finance would be chasing us. Oh God, yeah. custom IDs. God, my Lord. It's that thing though, isn't it? Where like coming into YouTube and that was like, I mean that, you know, like 
you basically and it's so interesting hearing that kind of that stuff around that interview because like you you and Alex in the you know you both interviewed me you basically threw me a line there because that was this you know it was the first job I ever had like proper job I was still working in a shop when I came for that interview and I I you know YouTube had been like a passion and it had been an outside interest and hobby that had become such a big intense part of my life that I you know felt like I was qualified to go for this job and I suppose that is the thing right it, you know you're coming I'm coming in to an office job from a very creative side you know I was very much my history was like being involved in a comedy YouTube channel, being involved in a Doctor Who YouTube channel, but this admin side of it and this kind of whole like, you know, the strategy of a YouTube channel, that was all stuff that was kind of like instinctual to me, but I had to learn it. And so like, you know, having you and Ollie in those early days and Alex as well, kind of all just sort of getting me into that, you know, professional world of YouTube. Yeah, so I did uh, an episode one of the first few episodes, I think it was episode three, like what does a channel manager actually do? And I think one of the tips I gave was like, you have to, you know, realize that you might have been a, a creative kind of YouTuber in your bedroom and done well, but this is like a professional environment yeah. that you're going into. So you have to know about turning up on time and filling in spreadsheets, yeah. and reporting to stakeholders and having a, a good phone manner and email manner and, and stuff mm. like that. And I, I think you've summed that up well there, that you do have to, like, I'll be totally fair. Like, if I was hiring today, Luke, you wouldn't even get an interview. Yeah. But that's not, no disrespect to you, because my experience was far less than you even had when I got the job. Mm. Also, the market's moved on quite considerably, Yeah, right? it's, it's a lot more mature now. You know, yeah. there are you yeah. know, whole agencies that are constantly employing and churning out new kind of junior channel managers. There's a lot more on the market. The one thing that I will say is that they're not all, even though they might have two years under their belt, it doesn't mean that they've been well-trained or they actually know what they're doing. Yeah. Which is the whole reason that I started up this podcast and my community, growchannelmanager.com, because there's this whole new generation of channel managers that are needed, but where do they come from? Where do they get that training? You know, I got some training, but pretty much learned on the job. And by the time Ollie came along, and then definitely by the time you came along, Luke, we had mm. like a formula. We had a strategy. Yeah. Like, this is how we do our tags. This is how we do our descriptions. And obviously, we'd experiment and we would talk and we'd strategize and we'd bounce off of each other. But ultimately, there were parameters which like we knew what worked and we'd kind of stick to that loose bubble of stuff, basically. But yeah, no, it's, I think it's a very different market now in terms of the job market. But then also I think, you know, there are probably some people out there that don't have professional experience that need a chance and need the education because like I, I had no experience of YouTube. Like Luke, you didn't have the kind of professional side of it. Ollie, again, like even when you started, you, you know, you didn't have a huge amount of experience. So there is a certain amount of, you know, someone needs to take a risk on someone at some point. But what I will say now, I think, is that people are coming out of uni and even before that, and they're already like super skilled at Premiere and After Effects. And that will probably get you the job nowadays and someone else will just teach you the, the kind of channel management stuff. So I think it's a lot different. And I also think people, I don't know how many people are out there nowadays that just do channel management. I think a lot more is probably expected of people, especially in the corporate world. Not so sure, but yes. Yeah, very, very interesting. So we were in a team together. We worked with a whole host of different teams. We'd work with 
production teams, editors, compliance was very important, operations, you know. But when it came down to us, it was us three that was running the channels, running the strategy for our own channels. What do you think about, you know, looking back at that time as being a channel manager? Was that fun work for you guys? Was that just a stepping stone? Uh, how would you kind of sum up like YouTube channel manager life? Oh, man. I mean, first of all, I was going to say on, on all the stuff you were saying there, I think that's interesting. Maybe not a skew, but a picture to put on, you know, working at the BBC at that time when we were that YouTube team is there's so much to consider, right? So like, again, coming at it from just knowing how YouTube works from the outside point of view, and then becoming a channel manager, not only a channel manager, but also a channel manager within a big, big organization. There's so many rules and restrictions and, you know, frameworks that you've got to work in that I found so just opened my mind completely. And I I still think, you know, knowing, you know, other channel managers and stuff like other companies do things differently, right? You know, like you can become a channel manager at the BBC and do things one way, a channel manager at ITV or, or channel four or any other sort of big broadcaster will do things completely different. So I I think that was really good, but actually I'm really glad about the, the way that we did it at the BBC because that is such a learning curve, right? You know, there are so many different stakeholders that you have to like talk to and hoops you've got to jump through, et cetera. But at the end of the day, you're still the guy who gets to push the button, right? You're still the guy who, you know, is actually talking to your audience and putting the stuff out there and telling, feeding back to other people, all the work that you've worked on, what people are saying about their content, how it's going down, informing data and insight around, you know, like this is what we're going to do more of because this type content worked well. That was like very sort of uh, quite scary at first, right? Like, you know, when you come into the BBC and go through all that, I found that quite sort of terrifying around, you know, how it all worked, but just sort of learned to kind of love that process. And I imagine it's very different for channel managers in different places. Yeah, I I think we were lucky that we had a lot of input in the the content. Mm. We were choosing a lot of it. We were involved heavily in production, whereas I think a lot of channel managers now are running maybe you know, 20 channels and they're just churning out clips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like never be said that, you know, we were the people who said no to people as well, right? You know, people would be like, can you just pop this video out? And you would be like, no, unfortunately not. That's not, that's not right for our audience, right? That's not going to work. And if it is going to work, it needs to have this as the end board and this is the, you know, opening titles. And, you know, you need to get to the video content this long, but also it needs to be, you know, longer content, etc. So there was that, you know, we're empowered to do that with us. I feel, yeah, to your point, some people nowadays, right, are just the people who, here's the video, push it live, tag it up, title it up. That's it. Whereas we had such a good position. Yeah, I think we were in a good position that we had time to give it the thought that it needed. I think a lot of, especially at the agencies that we won't mention their names, they're literally factories. Yeah. And they are churning out kind of videos left, right and center with not much. The amount of editorial consideration we used to give stuff was was pretty, pretty cool. Mm. Um, But also, I don't think you give us enough credit there, Luke, because I think we earned that right to say no to people. Yeah, for sure. And we earned that right to give that feedback because our results were incredible. Like we did some pretty incredible stuff. And we knew what worked and what didn't. And, you know, I think people respected us throughout the entire company. You know, we were this young upstart team, but, you know, we were at certain times the talk of the town, you know, people wanted to, you know, get involved with what we were doing. People would stop by our desks and like, you know, 
get involved because we had a good energy as a team and we were like a young team. Well, I wasn't, but you, you guys were. <laughs> um, but I definitely feel like we earned a lot of that privilege, if you know what I mean. Definitely, man. I also think that we started at a bit like a pivotal point in the kind of the media landscape, right? Because the YouTube channels have been running for a couple of years, but they'd been kind of segregated from like a larger chunk of the business. And so when I joined, it was basically you and Alex, Tom, and maybe one other person, maybe Owen with some analytics. And at that point, it was kind of like it was a nucleus. And I think with clear teamwork and objectives and then meeting those objectives every quarter, we really did build the respect of the surrounding kind of departments. I think from there, we just blossomed. And it was amazing that when ultimately you left and then I left, Tom, we, the team had blossomed from three or four people to, to 20 or 25 people. And I think that just shows the success of how it was run by kind of the lead and then all the managers within it. I think it was just a real, it was a real exciting time to be in a relatively young team in, in that kind of that point where we also started ticking over into making original content and we were running the other social channels in alignment with YouTube. It was, yeah, it was good. We did so much, didn't we? We did a lot in four or five years. Yeah. So Ollie, let's stick with that. What are some of the highlights for you during your time there? Because you did some pretty, pretty cool stuff, including being the star of a video <laughs> in which you were bare chested and glowing. <laughs> oh man, there's like, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of like exciting sparks across four or five years. I think first off, when I got given the role, when I got given the job, I did not expect it. So I was blown away. And the very fact that I was going to be working um, with me, with, with of course, <laughs> with, with Sensei, with, Mr., with <laughs> Mr. Martin, of course, my namesake, but like um, working closely with some of the brands I'd grown up with. So any of the natural history shows, like I'm a massive fan of, of so many of the BBC's output. That just excited me to be close to that programming and be in a big organization, right? I was I started in a startup and it was it was pretty damn cutthroat. Like I learned a lot and I again I flourished, but um the BBC felt it felt it felt like official to me. It felt like a professional life had started. And it kind of yeah, we we I got to watch. I've probably been the sole person in the world, maybe, that has clipped and released. Sorry, what's the best way of putting it? Like just the sheer number of natural history videos that I've published over the course of four or five years is in the thousands, several thousands. And I think that's, that's amazing. I, I did a biology degree. And so to be able to watch the best quality natural history was pretty damn cool. And then in addition to that, I ended up, yeah, man, we, we did loads of videos. We did behind the scenes for Planet Earth 2 and Blue Planet 2. I dissected a tiger. Um, I took my clothes off and it got a million views. It got like, loads of crazy stuff. <laughs> I think you need to streamline me, Tom. You need to ask me about something specific. Yeah, definitely. If you don't know what channel Ollie's referring to, that's BBC Earth, and which is now the world's easily the biggest and best natural history channel. Without doubt. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I still, every now and then, get recommended like some of those uh, planet dinosaur videos, whatever they were called, that still get crazy views. And kangaroo boxing and stuff like that that just continue to deliver millions the gift that keeps on giving that's another thing i really found interesting about youtube is that a lot of people on the surface maybe if they're not involved professionally with running youtube channels or running their own channel think about new videos going up and that and viewership over the first couple of weeks but a lot of people forget that all the videos it's an evergreen platform and so they all tick over and so when you're managing a channel that has several thousand videos all of high quality all interconnected with tags on and off platform it's like an all ships rise and so you look at the view count and it'll be crazy we do our our weekly report and you find that there'd be several million views that just popped up in a particular territory 
based on some content that was released like three, four years ago. And I, I love that dynamic to, to the video platform. And what about you, Luke? Because you got to work with like your dream. Oh, man. Dream yeah. brand. You working with Doctor Who would be the equivalent of me running like the official Arsenal YouTube channel, which is still a, still a dream of mine, or like the official Jackie Chan channel. Like you literally got the dream channel. Oh, definitely. What was it like when I handed you the keys to that channel? And what were some of the highlights after that point? Oh, man. I mean, I, I actually re I remember that meeting where you announced that you were going to give me the keys to Doctor Who. And I was just like, yeah, it was like it couldn't it was already a dream job anyway. And I was just involved in, you know, these channels and Doctor Who was one of them. So like, yeah, go, I mean, highlights are this like so many. Like I said earlier, like I started my career at the BBC. So I've like kind of all of my career highlights are at the BBC. And there's just having that dream job, working on it day in, day out is just constantly a sort of joyous thing to me because it both means a lot personally and professionally but I think actual specific highlights I suppose like generally it was like this might sound a silly one but probably maybe one sort of when you are coming at something from a fandom just being the voice of like a brand that you love right and you're you know actually talking to the audiences I loved absolutely loved kind of and maybe this was one thing that I think Tom when you gave me the keys to the you know this channel it was very much something that I could do a bit more is like actually be the voice of the brand, right. You know, and kind of reference stuff and, you know, be an, a knowing voice of, you know, can make, you know, references to episodes and quotes, et cetera. And so I love talking to audiences at first. That was like the first thing of being like, Oh my God, I'm the voice of Doctor Who Cause I know what it's like being on the other side of it, of just a YouTube channel, liking your comment or hearting your comment or replying and saying something about you. Um, but then I suppose similar to Ollie, I think, because again, that sort of mad startup energy we had, everyone was like, I mean, all three of us, right? We were all behind camera, but also in front of camera. We all had our sort of moments in front of camera. And then I think being able to do that on Doctor Who was kind of amazing. Uh, working on an amazing original content show that we ran for years called Doctor Who The Fan Show, which was sort of one of the first YouTube companion shows, which nowadays, if you're a brand, if you're a franchise brand, you know, a movie studio, TV show, everyone's got a YouTube companion show. But back in like 2015, no one had one. And it was the first one, I'd say. That was such a feat of pure passion and determination to get that. Yeah, dream. yeah. Like you have no idea how hard it is to get a kind of upstart digital production yeah. signed off by a huge corporate brand. And understandably so. Yeah. Um, the fact that we managed to do that is it is still beggars belief and i'm still so proud that as a team we managed to to get that over the line to do it regularly as well right so you know not only you know yes if you think about working with big brands right anyone you know if you're a channel manager or you've just you know any sort of digital role with big brands you think about how much it takes to get one video one post one thing signed off and this was like every week we were making a video for years that was amazing. So I think overall, that was kind of a massive highlight. And I suppose, yeah, to your point, how long these things take. I mean, I did a presenting gig in 2013 that was a sort of leading towards that original content for Doctor Who. We filmed a pilot in 2014, and it didn't actually happen until I think March 2015, and then ran for about for about three years, which was amazing. I think every kind of all a lot of my sort of highlights of working in the team was being thrown in front of camera to talk about Doctor Who at the last minute and loving it or being going down to Cardiff to go on set to help a, a shoot um, 
right back right down to then uploading that video and being the person who goes actually you know what we're going to call it this because you know we're you know the youtube experts and know that this will work as the tile and this will work as making the thumbnail and and then replying to the people in the comments section so i i just loved seeing that like end to end almost like being the creator on the doctor who channel so you saw it from that point of being in front of camera all the way down to replying to comments so I mean, yeah, dream job, absolute dream job. Yeah, and I, I don't think that's very typical, actually, of being a channel manager, especially not now, mm. of a channel that's not yours. Yeah, is to see that editorial from inception to production to publish is is pretty crazy. Mm. And um, oh, since you asked my highlights, then uh, <laughs> yeah, Tom, as we're on the subject, sir, we're yeah, right. yeah, what were your highlights of working with me and Ollie? That's what we want to know. Um, <laughs> yeah, many, 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 many highlights. I think the ones that I usually tell people, are the ones that I think are going to impress people. So, <laughs> watching Peter Capaldi film on the set of the TARDIS was pretty incredible. Yeah, and being driven around the Top Gear track by the Stig also never ceases to impress people amazing highlight also choosing the because most of what we did was uh, on the other channels was you know selecting clips from tv shows uh, and selecting the clips uh from both alan partridge and the office my two <laughs> favorite sitcoms of all time is just beyond a proud moment i still look at those playlists today they are the best moments and like they've got millions of views and yeah. uh, you know, people still watching them today. And I chose those. That's like, to me, that's so cool. But you alluded to it, Luke. Actually, my proudest moment was uh, having my little web series. Yeah. Which, yeah. You know, I had, I had no desire to be on camera. I had no experience of being on camera. And I remember that came about, and we'll link to all of this stuff in the show, that came about by us launching this channel, which was kind of here nor there. We weren't quite sure of the direction. And I just huddled everyone together. It's like, right, we're just going to go and make a show in like an hour. And everyone's going to have a go of presenting. And whoever's the best is going to be the presenter. Mm. And Leo was the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't want to do it. Um, and yeah. apparently I was second best. So I did it. And so, yeah, we did this little sh little web series. Was it Internet History, right? Delete History. Delete, Delete History. Oh, oh man. So oh, good. I, do you know, Tom, I tried to find it just before we started this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I still now, I look back so proudly at those videos and I still laugh at my own jokes. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'd never done anything on camera before, nothing, not even for my own YouTube channel or anything. So, you know, I've wrote 90% of the scripts, probably I think some other people chipped in as well. Like the time filming that was really fun and just so different. It's like who gets to do cool stuff like that? Just amazing. So, I, and I still look back at that very very fondly and uh back then i thought i was fat and now i know i'm fat looking at myself there look, wishing i was that skinny now <laughs> such is life such you, is life you know what you've both forgotten we ran the channel where ainsley harriet memes were started from <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, true and then in like inception style we did a top 10 ainsley harriet moments which then played on that meme so we were We'd become self-aware at that point. <laughs> On the flip side of that, what were some of the tasks that you didn't like? Because obviously it's not all glamour. I think we've probably alluded to it, Luke, that admin probably wasn't our 
Oh yeah, I mean that's like, that's like any you know it's it's a fun job, right? But there's also there's always going to be non-fun things to do, and that's you know finding out that you know there's so much admin to do behind the scenes, and like after a while, you obviously you know the importance of that. That's never the fun bit. I've got so many kind of memories of just spending days, some weeks, just you know filling in spreadsheets with numbers for finance, etc., and all our kind of back end stuff, and. You know, that's like part and parcel of any job. But for me, I think because like you said, Tom, earlier, you know, I was first, you know, my first job. So coming into doing stuff like that, obviously, like, yes, I want to please and I'm eager to please. I need to do all that. But like kind of having to understand that, you know, like that stuff is as important as the YouTube upload, etc. You know, it's kind of doing that sort of stuff was challenging at first to me to kind of get my head around all of that stuff and, you know, not just focus on the fun stuff. Um that's been quite challenging. Yeah, I think any kind of, no matter what creative industry it's in, I think there's processes and systems and admin that has to happen so that people get paid and everything's tracked and things happen on time and get passed by compliance and brands and that kind mm. of stuff. And, you know, that it's not all fun and games, no yeah. matter who, who you're working for. There's got to be some kind of, paper trail of a, lot, of a lot of stuff that happens and i think that's a skill that you could take into any field as well you know? Mm. you know what i would also say actually is kind of like just sort of on the sort of like the hard stuff is also the forward-facing stuff right of you know like if you get something wrong which is always going to happen in any job right but it's youtube you've got such a big following um you know creators see it but also brands see it if you get something wrong um and like we're not talking anything you know there, there can be major things but you know whether that's just I would, from my point of view, when I care so much about detail, especially with, you know, big brands with big fandoms, if you get spelling of something wrong, you know, that really, I just genuinely put on a personal level, I find that really gutting of like, oh man, and all the, all the people are commenting in the comment section that you've got that wrong. And now it makes it seem like you didn't care or you didn't know. And that, that's kind of a, probably more of a personal thing, but that sort of stuff is always really hard because imagine any job, right? Anyone, you know, who works in an office or whatever, or just, you know, is very much a contained job. Imagine, let's say roughly around a hundred thousand people having an opinion on what you're doing. <laughs> a strong um, opinion. Yeah. A very strong opinion. That's what it's like working on, you know, social and, and working on YouTube. Then it's, that's, I always found that quite hard as well. But also there's a good thing that comes out of that in that I am now so so all about detail and all about, you know, not getting anything wrong for audiences and making sure it's right and making sure, you know, it's the right content, the right titles, the right descriptions, the right links, etc. Because if you don't, that's, you know, quite damaging. So I learned from, you know, never getting anything massively wrong, but just little things like that, which really got to me. Yeah, I once deleted a video that had 250,000 views. So I definitely learned a lesson that oh, day. Mate. And now I'm so paranoid about ever deleting any video on any channel. So oh. I like triple check. But, you know, lesson learned. Yeah, exactly. You learn from it. So ultimately, I flew the coop in, oh God, when was that? 2017, I think it was. A very emotional day for me, just moving up the road. But it wasn't a, a huge amount of time after that before Ollie you left the company and Luke, you kind of moved on to work on different projects within the mm. same company. Let's start with Yoli. Can you, can you tell us a bit more about what you went on to do next, but also in the context of how did your time at the BBC as a channel manager, how did that help you go on to something else? And what were the, the kind of transferable skills that not only got you the job, but then allowed you to 
thrive in your your new work? I think the BBC was a fantastic place to to really double down, spend four four or five years surrounded by colleagues that I, I really liked to work with and I respected, and we were doing we're doing a kind of exciting work. So even the nuts and bolts that we've just described of the spreadsheets and and maybe the complications of IP and negotiations with other teams were were all beneficial. So I really feel that I, I got a good sense of how to work in a professional team. We always worked to like clear goals. I just felt that after that amount of time, I wanted a, a new opportunity. And I'd, I'd been doing channel management as well as a bit of bit of producing alongside. I was part of Edinburgh TV Festival's Once to Watch. And as part of that, I delivered a, a presentation to win um, some funding to make a short film for Channel 4. And I actually did that, that presentation about free diving. I won the competition and it just so happened that a guy that was working for Red Bull was in the audience. So after I gave this, this presentation, he came up to me and said, would you be interested in, in coming to work um, in Austria, which is the HQ of, of Red Bull Media House that makes the series and films for Red Bull athletes and the Red Bull brand. And so I, I jumped to the opportunity. So I, I, I suppose I made a, a lateral move more so into production specifically, but um, all of my expertise, I suppose I learned with you guys, we, we learned together, all of that about programming or as Red Bull call, calls it programming, how to uh, think of scheduling of videos, the back end, the SEO, the IP, the, how to communicate with other people that don't understand YouTube, all of that came in massive help at uh, Red Bull. And so as well as developing um, series and kind of conceptual pieces, an integral part of my of the last two years has been to educate people at Red Bull about how to run YouTube channels, how to both build audiences and get people to watch stuff, and then also how to make really good programming. So I'm at the moment I'm I'm a freelance producer, um, splitting my time between Barcelona and London. But uh, yeah, um, I think the time with you guys was imperative to understanding the fundamentals of professional life. I think that's that's pretty much it, man. And I think also, I don't think it ever hurts to have the three letters BBC on your CV when you're no, going completely. through it. Completely. Um, as I said, I started in a startup and it was it was cutthroat. It was, it was exciting, but um, there wasn't... I'm sure someone will listen to it. Dave Hyman, uh, Matt Hyman's absolute legend, but it was, um, there, was no, there was no rigor. There was no, there was no kind of management and so on. So coming to work with you and Alex and, and really having qualitative and, and quantitative um, objectives was just it's, it's a fundamental to life. And so I, I learned some real key values, I think, from working at the BBC. And Luke, you're still at uh, the company. It's no longer called BBC Worldwide. It's called BBC Studios. Tell us about the new gig, what you're up to now. And would there be any chance of you getting this gig without your your time in our old team and the skills that you you found and mastered there? Oh man, no. I I mean, like like I said, I'm I'm still on that path, right? I've still, you know, I've kind of been fortunate enough to have a career now at the BBC and still working there after five years. And and now I'm a digital marketing manager. So now I look after um social channels for a scripted genre at the BBC Studios, which is a really exciting role. So you're not just working on Doctor Who now, working on kind of other brands and, and other scripted shows. And, you know, kind of coming into that role was like a big step up from being a YouTube channel manager. But to this day, like everything I do, so like with my team, we always talk about, you know, what's the formula that works for, you know, the every social channel, you know, what works in Facebook feeds when it's an image, when it's a video, what works in, you know, email newsletters, when it's the subject title, the pre-header, the, the content with it, all of that is down to 
us, you know, as our, our dream team, you know, three musketeers knowing what worked on YouTube and what worked on our brands, you know, like going through like testing different thumbnails and titles. And it all for me has kind of stemmed from that and like learning all that with you, Tom, and kind of, you know, learning to be a master of your own YouTube channel for you to be the person who knows yes, no to thumbnails and titles, that kind of like diligence, that kind of like detail that's transferred across to every other social channel for me now, because obviously, you know, I kind of going to Facebook and working on video, it was all, you know, my mindset was coming at it from, oh yeah, that's what YouTube, you know, that's a YouTube playlist. Oh, that's a YouTube premiere. Oh, that's YouTube end screens or whatever, you know, coming at it from all that sort of, um, you know, coming out from a YouTube background and then applying that knowledge to learning about other platforms. But basically YouTube is my bread and butter. So I learn all of this stuff via YouTube. That's always an ongoing thing for me. And I still don't tell the other social channels, but you know, YouTube's still my kind of my favorite. Like, you know, that's the one where I learn everything that I still take to this day. Yeah. And I'd say for me, transferring out of the corporate world into the, the freelance world, there's still a lot of skills that absolutely there's no way I could survive without. So you know, we had to deal with a lot of internal stakeholders. So communication had to be great, reporting back on successes, challenges. To me, that's just how I learned how to, you know, that's customer service. Mm. And that's how I now deal with my clients. I just treat them as I would any other stakeholder, you know, making sure people's expectations are managed. You know, this is when something's going to be delivered and you deliver it on time. Otherwise, you you know, you're in trouble. Uh, we've spoken a lot about admin and process. I'm very process driven. I probably was responsible for most of the processes that we had to follow because before I joined, there was no process. So a lot of that has now flowed through, uh, to my new business where now I've got, you can imagine the amount of Google Docs and spreadsheets and mm-hmm. processes and oh, I bet stuff them. I've got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You do not want to see my hard drive for the spreadsheet. <laughs> and yeah, I think goals, I think I'd say actually something that's something I've really let slip until recently is having clear goals with, you know, clear numbers. I've suffered for not having that. But now that I've put those back in place, I can see the difference straight away. So yeah, I definitely something that I probably not thought about really until recently. But now that you you say it and that that's really stood out to you guys, I think that is really, really useful. And then the thing to me that is probably the most important is that we just were an easy group of people to work with. And mm. we bent over backwards for any other team in the company. We were polite and kind and respectful and basically followed the golden rule of don't be a dick. And then people in other teams will bend over backwards for you and help you. And I think that is a skill that to a certain point you can't teach because mm. some people are just dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Not at the BBC specifically. I'm just talking about in life, you know. And so I think, you know, treat people with respect, with kindness, and they will help you. And obviously you need to give as much as you take as well. And I think that we did a good job of of trying to help other people as well. And, you know, coming together in, in tight deadlines and getting stuff done and staying late, coming in early. You know, a lot of, I remember Ollie specifically was like our, live stream go-to person and he'd be around all the time to to be working on live. That's very true. There was, there was a whole bunch because that was when, when live streams were pretty well, they were, they were brand new. And so, yeah, I remember staying up and we did the Doctor Who world tour. You did some of that as well, Tom, didn't you? 
yeah. we did loads of stuff. We did, we did, we did David Attenborough. We did one of those two. We did Top we Gear. Yeah, good, good stuff. Well, it sounds like you're both now in a in a kind of really good place, and you've you know you've come from a a, a great background. What are some of the tips? You know, we've spoken about getting on from channel management. What are some of the tips you'd give someone trying to get into the YouTube channel management space? What skills would you make sure they focus on developing with a view to getting work as a professional YouTube channel manager? Oh, this is maybe uh, very applicable to me personally, but like I think I learned a lot by maybe this is quite general now, but because things have moved on, but making your own opportunities and making your own channel. Like Tom, I know you've like, you know, you've gone off and made, you know, your own channel and, and, you know, made your own videos, et cetera. And Ollie was doing it and and I've done it. And I feel like if you've got your own content, it's a different level of caring. Like, you, you know, you're working for a brand, you're working for companies, but like when it's your content as well, like you're creating it, I think that helps you a lot. And that channel might not do well. Like we're not saying that you create a channel that's a viral hit, but you, I think you learn so much from like putting everything that you are into a channel. And so I would always say, have your own channel, like make your own channel in whatever that can be, whether it's talking to camera or whether it's, you know, clips that you film of birds or wildlife or whether it's, you know, trains or whatever, like, you know, make your own YouTube channel and learn from that and play around with that because that's like the gift of the working on YouTube and being a channel manager is that YouTube is open to all and you can have a crack at it. It's not something that you only get to have a crack at when you work for a brand. You get to obviously work with amazing brands on their IP, et cetera, but it's there for playing with. I would say to anyone, play with it. You know, Do it yourself, make your own videos. Even if it's just four videos, work out which one works better. Even if it's just like one's got five views and one's got three views, like why has that one got five views? Is it the thumbnail? Is it the title? Just everything like that. You know, Make your own opportunities and play with it yeah i couldn't agree more as someone who has hired channel managers who continues to hire channel managers and helps other people hire channel managers i'd much rather see someone who is working on a a small fledgling channel but gets it and understands it and has put the time and the effort in rather than someone who's got paper qualifications and comes along and says i want to do this but you've got no excuse not to have done something in the past so couldn't agree with more. Ollie, any parting words of wisdom from you on people trying to get into the channel management space? No, I just say all of that is pretty much spot on. Get your hands dirty. The great thing about YouTube is that you can start up a channel, shoot wherever you want on your phone or whatever and, and upload it and just and play around and get get a sense of, of of the rhythm of running a channel because there are a lot of there are a lot of bits to it. And if you want to go into the profession of channel management, as we've just discussed, it's um you could run you could you could be in charge of one channel, you could niche down. There's so many different variants of being a channel manager these days. So for me, I enjoyed the production side as well as the, the you call it the kind of logistical or the programming side of things. So really do just um, try yourself and, and experiment because it, when it comes to the interview process, as, as you say, Tom, that's, that's just as valuable in my mind as someone who's, who's got something good on paper. I would also say it's worked for me and I will continue to, to have this mantra of, of teamwork and collaboration is, is vital. Trust and respect the people around you. Look for mentors who you think can give you kind of wise advice about the direction you want to take your career and just enjoy it because YouTube is a video platform. It's, um, we're not doing accountancy here. It's, it, it should be an enjoyable thing. We're making content that or releasing videos that people are engaging with and, and we're growing audiences. So it should, it should be fun at, at, on some level. So 
yeah, just enjoy it and, and find your niche and, and blossom. Yeah, I, I think networks and mentors is a huge, huge, huge tip and probably something I'll do a separate episode on because absolutely that's changed my life. And, you know, in some aspect, there's I don't think you guys would have been where working with me if we hadn't known each other before those job posts came up. So mm. I think you're both a great yeah. example of like how important it is to to work on your network as much as anything else. Thank you so much. We could probably go on for hours and hours and hours and hours <laughs> reminiscing about the good old days of 2012 and 2013, 14, 15. But before I let you go, uh, we've got our patented, and you should know this because you're both ardent listeners of the show, aren't you guys? Yes. 100%. That you've got to get past my patented fast five. So these are five quick fire questions that you need to answer really, really quickly. Oh boy. Oh boy. Jeez. Oh, oh man. We're going to go Ollie first, then Luke first, but then next question will be Luke first, Ollie first. So okay. don't speak over each other. Because <laughs> I've got a picture, can I just quickly say, I've got a picture of Ainsley Harriet staring at me from my YouTube search. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if I'm slow and unresponsive, it's because I've been hypnotized by Ainsley. <laughs> if the answer's a little bit of Sally salt, then... Rub that meat. Rub your meat, my son. <laughs> right. Ollie, get your mind out of the gutter, please. Yeah, right. This is very... I've cleared it, man. I've right. meditative Ollie, breathing. you're going first. Ollie, then Luke, Luke, then Ollie. Right, fast five. Question one. If you could only ever watch one YouTube channel ever again, what would it be? Ants Canada. Doctor Who. Wait, wait. What's Ants Canada? Yeah, man. I want your <laughs> listeners to know if they have to look it up because it's so good. Because it is so <laughs> good, damn good. I also, I dropped that in my interview at Red Bull and people love that. So it's, um, it's an exciting one. It's an example of, of how diverse and how successful you can be if you find a niche for the type of films that you make or the, the, the passions that you have. How about that, Tom? All right, let's, let's keep it mysterious. We'll yeah. link to it in the description. Luke, Doctor Who, yeah, obviously, because he just loves watching himself and his haircuts changing. Oh, not, not the videos I'm in. Not the videos I'm in. It's just an easy way. It's an easy way to not have to own the DVDs. I can just, if I've just got one channel... Just live all those best moments. Can I can I quickly add? I know this is supposed to be quick fire, but um, I was a real. Yeah, well, that's gone out the window. I know it's gone out. It's fine. This is the extended cut. I I really enjoyed the format that you presented. Luke. It just had all the right. It had all the bits that you wanted, man. And I didn't know much about, as you know, I didn't know much about Doctor Who before joining um, worldwide. Yeah. And it's and I just I just so appreciated the fandom and and the Whovians. Oh, and, and it's just it was just really cool, man. And that's one of the things. That's one of my lasting memories. And and when I when people ask me about that experience the diversity of brands that we worked on is, is one of my favorite things oh that's so good that's i so agree good. and disagree at the same time <laughs> i do actually think ali might be getting a little bit confused but i think the best thing that we produced <laughs> was presented by luke but it was the sherlock reaction oh man that show and i think that is by far the best work we produced and i think it is one of the best examples of how a brand can create content so we will link to that that was an incredible, yeah. it looked beautiful. It yeah. sounded beautiful. You know, what? I actually meant to call that out as a highlight because that was that actually that kind of overdid it for Doctor Who and me in terms of like that, those three, well, we made three videos there. We, well, maybe four, but like, the, like absolute, just like, you know, and just sometimes you do something, you're like, no notes, 
no changes. Perfect. Yeah, it Done. was happy. That was an incredible piece of work. So let's all just give ourselves a pat on the back. Yeah, well, was, how about, how about, what about the, launch, the launch of the Stig YouTube channel? In one week, four assets released <laughs> and 100,000 subscribers. Boom. <laughs> in one week. Oh, man, that is a drop never the mic channel manager moment. That's, that's a goddamn intro to your podcast. <laughs> right please remember this is the fast fire not the the seven hour fire right so luke this you start with this one yeah what one feature of youtube from the past would you bring back oh man uh i I forgot what it was called but the um oh my god what was it you know when you did a collaboration and their their video was below what was that response video response video response video man i loved i love that because again i'm i'm early days youtube creator that that the conversation you could have between channels that wasn't just an end screen. It was like, I'm responding to this video. I love that feature. Molly? Yeah, mine, mine's very similar, but it's it's back in about 2011, 2012, when a like from another YouTube channel that had a decent following would mean that your video was then put on their feed. And, it, and we I remember the channel that I first ran got liked by Vsauce, massive uh, kind of pop science YouTuber. And we we got something like thirty five thousand subscribers off one click. That I just remember the power, the power of a like, and the power of collaboration in that sense in the early days was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Cool. Similar to that, Ollie. First, if you could add one feature to YouTube, what would it be? Uh, I don't know, Tom. I, I use. I suppose you're, you're a little bit you're a little bit removed now, aren't you, from YouTube? I'd say. Yeah. So it'd be more of from like a user point of view. But I don't really have anything in particular. I just I, I'm interested in how it evolves because a, a lot's changed in two years or two and a half years. That's Ollie would want a Ainsley Harriet button. Where That's not a quick one. I would and... love that. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> and Luke, for you, are, are you still close enough to YouTube to? To pine for a certain feature. Yeah, I'm still close to it. What do I? I, t- I tell you what. But can I? Can I talk about backend features? Is that also a? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A, can I, I, I might. I don't know if. I, I suppose I can do this. One of my favourite tools that we, you know, we've used before and we still use to this day is TubeBuddy. I absolutely love TubeBuddy so much, um, and I just think like all the features that are on TubeBuddy. I just don't know why they're not main YouTube feature features. A B testing has always been like hugely powerful on TubeBuddy for me for all of working out everything on not just you know on on lots of brands what works on YouTube but um everything that's basically just come out of click magnet which is a new feature that they're running which is so so good like knowing exact it basically tells you like what thumbnails work well and I just don't know why YouTube are not like doing this themselves other than the fact I don't want TubeBuddy to go out of business obviously <laughs> but like Everything that they do back end, like A-B testing, you know, telling you what thumbnails are working, you know, certain scheduling uh, tools, it just, it highlights how much YouTube themselves don't do. Yeah, we definitely don't want TubeBuddy to go out of business, but I do want to take uh, this opportunity to thank our sponsors, Vidak. <laughs> <laughs> do, we, do we get stumped on the Tom, you can uh, come you in. Can, Tom, you can come you can, out. No, 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 leave it. No, 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 Dave, leave that in. This is funny. Uh, yeah. yeah, you can get a free trial of one of their awesome 30 yeah, day. I want subs off it. <laughs> 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 
Yes, don't forget, you can get a free trial of one of their awesome paid plans for 30 days by visiting prochannelmanager.com forward slash vidIQ. Thank you, vidIQ. <laughs> nice one, then. I'm also available for consultation work, extortionate rates. <laughs> oh, uh, Tom, right. any, more, any more competitors you want me to shout out? Uh, right. I... <laughs> big, big up Vimeo, big up fucking Vimeo. We are editorially impartial on it's this nice. show. It's nice. And the opinions of my guests do not necessarily represent the opinions of prochannelmanager.com. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, what one piece of advice would you give a professional channel manager starting today? If you're day one on that job, get yourself a coffee and just sit with YouTube analytics and just like, you know, don't go hardcore, but just mull it over. Look what videos are getting the most views, the most watch time, the most revenue and start to build out those trends. Why? And Oli? I think a lot is to do with consistency and that is the way that you do your job. It's also the way that you're publishing content. It's the rhythm in which you're releasing content. It's also the way that you're managing that channel. So consistency and evolution are just vital and that can come in many different forms. But, and that's a broad, a broad answer. But um, yeah, like just continuation and iteration are vital. And as much as it saddens me, the final question today, if YouTube was a person what would you say to them if you met them at the Christmas party? Um, I've, I've spent many a night and many a sleepless night watching you. That is so creepy and so profound at the same time. You know, it's so creepy. It's a, it's a, it's a strange answer. No? Sorry, it's so strange. <laughs> Luke? The first thing I'd say would probably be, oh, you've changed. <laughs> shade, throwing shade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd probably be that. It'd probably be, you've changed, but you're, a, you're still a good old friend. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, well, guys, I cannot thank you enough for your time and dusting off the crates and picking some of those memories out. Just incredible. Some awesome tips there as well that's going to help people not only succeed as channel managers, but then like you guys progress on to new careers in some incredible fields. If people, for some strange reason, wanted to hear even more from you, where could they follow you on the socials? Oh man, you can just follow me, Luke Spallon, everywhere and anywhere. <laughs> There's only one. <laughs> I'm a little more incognito, but you'll be able to find me. Uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, so on and so forth. No qualms. Okay, thank you very much, guys. And I hope to see you in the real world sometime soon when we're allowed out. Oh man, yeah. Definitely, for sure. I really think it was clear that that was by far the most fun I've ever had recording a podcast. Absolutely. Love those guys, but more importantly, they're really, really smart. And I hope they're giving you some amazing advice that you're going to be able to take forward to help you start and then upgrade your career potentially as a YouTube channel manager. Remember, all of those tips can be found in a very handy how-to guide, which you can find at prochannelmanager.com forward slash episode 14. And while you're there, why not take a look around the community? and see what is in store inside, including Ollie and Luke, who have just joined. You can also get an amazing discount on either a monthly or an annual community plan by using the code podcast at checkout. And I hope to see you on the inside. Before we go, another huge thank you to our incredible sponsor, vidIQ. And remember, you can get a free trial of one of their awesome paid plans by visiting ProChannelManager.com dot com forward slash vidIQ. Thank you again, vidIQ. If you found this episode useful, please tell a friend as we'd love to have more pro channel managers growing and being nurtured by the podcast and the community. 
Don't forget to leave a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast and make sure that you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. That's all from this week, but we'll be speaking to you again in another couple of weeks. And so until next time, happy uploading. Laters. Thanks for listening to the Pro Channel Manager Podcast. Happy uploading. And remember, next time you go to publish a video, ask yourself, what would Tom think?